Good morning. It's one of those mornings, I think. Um, today we continue our seven-week series along with other Chicago area churches participating in the Explore God ministry. Each Sunday we're looking at a fundamental question about God, about Christianity. The first question we looked at was, does life have a purpose? The second question we looked at was, does God exist? And last week we looked at why does God allow pain and suffering. If you missed any of these, you can check them out on our website. Uh, there's an insert in your bulletin to follow along today if you like. And if you didn't get one, our should be happy to hand you one and just let them know you need one. Today we are going to deal with a very common objection and question that comes up about Christianity. The question we're covering today is Christianity too narrow? <clears throat> I'm going to go out on a limb today and say no. It's not too narrow, but it is narrow. See, implied in that question, is Christianity too narrow, are two assumptions and objections. First, it assumes that being narrow is a bad thing. We should avoid that. Second, it assumes that Christianity is not exclusive, that all the religions are the same. We're going to talk about that this morning. First, <clears throat> is being narrow a bad thing? I would argue that when it comes to truth, being narrow is what we want. We want, it is a good thing. When it comes to truth, facts, logic, narrow is the only way that makes sense of the world. Um, two plus two equals four. On what basis could I ever say that 2 plus 2 equals 10, or another number? We would say that's absurd. 2 plus 2 is narrow, because rationally and mathematically, it can't be anything else. And that's not bad, because it's true. If you say you don't believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, you would just be denying the truth. And it'd be very difficult to make sense of the world. It's also very narrow to assert that this pen is not this Bible. That's very narrow. I've just ruled it out. You, this is not this. They are different materially, visually, functionally. Only one is a pen, and it isn't this book. Is that being too narrow? Am I being too judgmental to the pen or the book by saying you're not the same? You're not the same. I don't know about you, but for some things in life, I want them to be narrow. Narrow things bring certainty, confidence, especially when it concerns matters of life and death. I don't know anybody that wouldn't agree with me. I want the person operating on me to be a narrow surgeon with a medical license and some skill and experience to do surgery. There's a right way to do an operation and a wrong way, by the seat of your pants or some other way. No. I want he or she to have the credentials to cut me open and do an operation on me. 
Is that narrow? Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I want the person flying my plane out of O'Hare to be narrow. Only a person with a pilot's license and the credentials to fly, I want taking me across the country. I don't know about you. Can anybody just step behind the uh, cockpit and fly? Would you feel okay about that? I don't think so. Especially landing a plane requires some very narrow training and requirements. I want the pilot to have credentials just so for my own confidence. Look, what I'm trying to say is when it comes to matters of life and death, I want the person telling me things or doing those things to have the credentials that will give me confidence to put my life in their hands. And the same is true, I think should be for us spiritually. <clears throat> Christians believe that its exclusive claims are true because Jesus has the credentials to back them up. Christianity is saying that all religions can't be true because they're saying different things. Some religions say there's no life after death. Christianity says there is. Some religions say there's no resurrection after the death, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and Christianity says, yes, there is a resurrection, and Jesus did bodily rise from the dead. Some religions believe that there's no heaven or hell. Christianity says, yes, there is a heaven and a real hell. Some religions who believe in heaven and hell say that if your good works outweigh your bad or you do enough good, then you're going to go to heaven. Christianity says only faith in Jesus qualifies us to be in heaven with God for eternity. The main reason Christianity is narrow is because of the exclusive claims made by Jesus and his apostles. The words and works of Jesus are exclusive. I'm going to share some of those today just to give you a background on why we believe this. It's not too narrow, but it is narrow because of what Jesus himself said and those who followed him. Jesus, in fact, <clears throat> refuted, refuted uh, the belief that all religions are basically the same. In one particular instance, right away, he just tosses that out. Can't be. They can't all be true. To, to the religious people of his day, Jewish leaders of his day, Jesus said to the Jews of his day who were religious, pietists, uh, lived good lives, he said to them, you will die in your sins unless you believe in me. Let me read it. In John, Gospel of John chapter 8, 21 to 24, Jesus said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. He repeats this three times. You will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, well, surely we'll, we'll, he will not kill himself, will he? He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Okay. I don't know what to do with that 
as a Christ follower, but to say, that's pretty narrow. I mean, that's exclusive. That's a very audacious, exclusive claim. Now, your choice is, can you, do you believe it or not? It's, but it is pretty exclusive. <clears throat> to his disciples, Jesus claimed that he was going to God in heaven, assembly father, and that no one can come to him except through him, through belief in him. In John, same gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Look, what, I, what I'm trying to say is <clears throat> truth, by definition, is narrow. It can't be multiple things at the same time that are saying different things. It can't. But the question then is, why on earth would we believe that Jesus is telling us the truth? Because unlike other religious founders or leaders, Jesus backed up his words with miraculous works. He gave sight to the blind, he made the lame walk, the deaf hear. He did miracles so that, that we would know he's got the license. He's got the authority to say what's true and what's not. I'll give you one example in Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Oh, it's a little ex extended passage here, but I think you'll see it's helpful to understand why we would believe <clears throat> in what Jesus is saying. Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. When Jesus had come back to Capernaum for several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they led him down on a pallet which the paralytic was lying, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> they're, they're all, I'm not kidding. The, the hush probably in that room, because here's what, here's what happened. Some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, and they're saying, what? Why, do, why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus was aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way with themselves. He said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins... He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, go home. And he got up, immediately picked up the pallet, went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed. We're glorifying God, so we've never seen anything like this. Here's my credentials. You can trust what I'm saying. It's narrow, but it's the truth. Further than that, not only what do Jesus' uh, miraculous works become his credentials for us to trust him, the eyewitness testimony of Jesus' apostles, who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, 
they gave them huge confidence to preach an exclusive message about Jesus. They saw him. They, they lived the rest of their lives as eyewitnesses to the fact. So, for instance, uh, the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> uh, in his, one of his speeches, he said, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. They just healed this guy. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. And there is no salvation. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. That's exclusive. Why did he say that? We saw the guy after he rose from the dead. We're convinced he's got the credentials. Peter says this, the Apostle Paul was one of the first to give compelling testimony that the claims of Christianity were true and exclusive of other belief systems. The reason it's so persuasive is because Paul started a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of their beliefs that Jesus was the Son of God. He put them in jail. He agreed to their murder or killing. And then he encountered the risen Christ for himself the persecutor, killer of Christians, jailer of Christians. And he turned 180 degrees. It's an amazing <laughs> story uh, that's told to us in Acts chapter 9. He turned 180 degrees and began persuading other people, this is real, this is true, I've seen it myself. What's interesting to me as it ties into this message today is the Apostle Paul interacted with other religions of his day and their belief systems. Uh, he actually points to references in one of his uh, messages where Christianity has common ground. But then he ends with a striking difference. And what's different about Christianity is that no other religion has a founder who has been raised from the dead. That was the, that was the clencher for him. Let me read to you what he said to these people in Athens. <clears throat> so Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in our respects. And for... For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all that's in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life, and breath in all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. That they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. Though you know what? He's not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, we are also his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature 
is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he's fixed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. I love the way Paul just immerses himself in what would really be called various belief systems of his day in, in Athens. They're, they're debating all kinds of philosophies, ideologies, uh, thoughts about the afterlife or not afterlife. He just steps into the picture. He says, listen to me. There's a guy, I've seen it myself, he has the credentials to say every other religion is false. And the proof he's given us is that he raised this man from the dead. And I saw it. I saw him. Basically, Paul's saying all religions are seeking God, trying to connect with God some way, gods or higher powers or the spirit world or something. And Paul even mentions this in his little message there. <clears throat> We're all groping. But he's saying God has overlooked all our ignorance and is now declaring, here's the truth. Jesus is the truth. Christianity, you see, is not just another religion. Uh, I like Someone described uh, the difference this way. They said religion involves humanity's attempts to reach God. We're all groping for God, Paul says. But Christianity is God's attempt to reach humanity. That's where Paul says God is now declaring to all men everywhere. See, Christianity is the only religion whose founder was certified dead, who came back to life with over 500 witnesses to see him over a period of 40 days. So, as we think about this question, <clears throat> the question we should be asking is not whether Christianity is too narrow, but whether Christianity is true. If it's true, then by definition, it's narrow. It can't be anything. It can't include everything else. Jesus declared he is the truth, his words are true, and that we can trust him and know God by believing in him. Christianity affirms there aren't many ways to know God, even though we're groping, seeking, trying. There's only one way. Jesus said it first, and then the apostles echoed, faith in Jesus. There's no other name, no other person, no other way. And look, this isn't something we just made up, some Christian council. It comes from the lips of Jesus himself, who gave us good reason to believe when God raised him from the dead. <clears throat> I'd finally say, as an appeal even to, you know, agnostics, atheists, skeptics, everybody believes something. 
Not believing in any religion is still a belief. You know what you're trusting in? You're placing your trust in your judgment that the God of the Bible doesn't exist, that Jesus' claims are false. That's what you're trusting. So I would ask you, have you examined the evidence? Or are you just, you know, without even looking at it, just tossing it aside? Have you examined the evidence for the Christian faith yourself? Wouldn't it be prudent before deciding not to believe in, in Jesus and Christianity to investigate it first? You know, maybe you, maybe you grew up in the Christian faith, but it's lacked something. You know, you jump through all the hoops and you go to, the church, go to church and all that stuff. But to you, it's just another religion. Let me just say to you, there's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. Personally. That's where I was 46 years ago. <clears throat> I was a pretty religious guy, but it was just, it was just religion. <laughs> the church knew about Jesus and acknowledged all the stuff. And then I got, and then somebody challenged me. <clears throat> hey, have you ever looked at what Jesus actually said in the scripture? I said, Nah. <laughs> Would you like to? Well, okay, I guess so. So I went through a, you know, a little Bible study. It lasted about six weeks. And I'm like interacting. I'm thinking, I didn't know he said that. I didn't know he did that. But still, thinking, oh, I, yeah, this Christian stuff, I kind of get it. But then about a month later, this friend of mine interacted with me again. And uh, we started talking, and I realized from what he's saying that, you know, it's, Christianity is not just a religion where it's just a creed or some practice you do. It's a personal relationship with the Son of God. Oh. Yeah, he can actually, when you believe in him, he actually comes inside and makes himself known to you, experientially. Oh. So, I can just tell you, I had a little prayer where I just asked the Lord to make himself real or whatever. I believed in him, told him that. I don't know how it happened, but as soon as I said amen, something was different. I went from knowing about him to knowing him. That's Christianity. Jesus said it. This is eternal life. In his prayer, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. We're not talking about religion here. 
This is a relationship with the God who made you and with the Savior who died for you, who rose from the dead and can now make himself known to anybody spiritually. It's amazing. I invite you to believe in him today. Maybe you're not ready. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you have already, but it's still, still kind of distant. I invite you to investigate the claims of Jesus in the Gospels. Study the scripture for yourself, and then make a decision. If that's in any way applies to you this morning, knowing what to do to believe in him or investigating further, you know, several of us will be right up front after the service. Just t- let us know. We'll, we'll try to accommodate that. Whatever, wherever, wherever you're at. We just want to help you. I want for every single person I meet to have the same experience I had when finally it made all the sense in the world because it wasn't just a doctrine or a religion. It was a person. And I realized afterwards he could only make himself known to me if he was alive, raised from the dead. And he did. That was 46 years ago. And I better stop. <laughs> Father, thank you today for your mercy toward us. Lord, we just confess uh, <clears throat> we don't know everything. All we know is that uh, all I know is I was, I was once uh, just a, a lost guy trying to find his way, practice religion, but I had no idea who you were, and somehow you revealed yourself to me and completely changed my life. For this, I'm grateful. I didn't deserve that. But the, the amazing thing, Father, is that you want to do that for every person who calls out to you, every person who believes in Jesus as the one you sent to be the answer for our greatest problem, our sin, is what's between you and us. And he took care of it so we could have the free gift of eternal life. I pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would work in our midst, in our body, to uh, make our relationship with you fresh and new again. Um, Or maybe... Uh, someone here would just begin today. I pray that you would do a great work. We trust you for that. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.